HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Meat and 3 is Heritage Radio Network's weekly food news roundup. This week on Meat and 3, we're bringing you highlights from Feast Portland, like our chat with the one and only Andrew Zimmern. I'm super excited to be here because for people who do what I do for a living, we do tons of you know, desk side chats and podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. And you circle the handful of ones in a year where you get to talk with people that you're really excited about talking with. So this is this is awesome. We picked up on some recurring themes while talking to our impressive roster of guests, including the current state of Portland's food scene, personal identity, and believe it or not, the influence of great chefs' grandmothers. Meemaw never touched a drop of booze in her life and now has a distillery named after her. But I grew up in her garden and just really she taught me all good things come from scratch and women can be anyone they want to be. So tune in for this week's extra special episode. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Bobardos in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, yuzakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my good guest. And my guest today is Elizabeth Sando, who already joined us five times on episode 1861, 83, 99, and 80, uh, 108, 108, <laughs> <laughs> and shared her truly deep insight into traditional Japanese food culture. Elizabeth is a food writer and a Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo, and she has lived in Japan for over 50 years now. So she runs a culinary arts program called A Taste of Culture, which offers a great opportunity for non-Japanese people to explore Japanese culture through its food. So you should check it out if you have a plan to go to Japan. And Elizabeth is also the author of six cookbooks, including the award-winning Washoku, Recipes from Japanese Kitchen, published in 2005. And today's topic is dashi. 
Dashi is the no doubt、uh, the foundation of Japanese cuisine, but many of us don't know what exactly it is and how to make it and how it is used. So we'll discuss all about them. And before we start,、uh, Japanese is available on Heritage Radio Network、uh, website as well as on iTunes and Stitcher as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and、uh, the, uh, Spotify and subscribe to Japanese. And、uh, please write a review. We on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We appreciate your feedback. And I have an announcement. So、um, on Wednesday, October 10th, there will be a special event called the New York Chef. Uh, New York Chefs Celebrate Japan.、Uh, so it's a benefit for the Gohan Society. The Gohan Society is a 501c3 nonprofit organization which aims to foster an understanding of Japanese culinary heritage in the United States through various meaningful activities, including American Chefs Training Program in Japan. And at this special event,、uh, 27 chefs from New York City's best restaurants will cook dinner for you, including Gramercy Tavern, Daniel Nobu Morimoto Boulay at home, and Contra, and so on. So, and the culinary expert and television、uh, personality Andrew Zimmern will be in attendance and auctioning off an amazing prize, which is a dinner for four team prepared by Andrew himself,、uh, Chef Michael Anthony of Gramercy Tavern, and Untitled. And Chef Gavin Kaisen,、uh, formerly at uh, uh, the Daniel Boulud, the Boulud's、uh, Cafe Boulud, of Minneapolis now,、uh, restaurant Spoon and Stable in the winner's home. So, for tickets, please go to www.gohansociety.org and gohan, G-O-H-A-N, society.org. Now, let's start our conversation with Elizabeth Ando. Hello, welcome back. Thank you, but it sounds like we'll be missing something wonderful. I wish I could stay a bit longer. <laughs> well, maybe you should think about it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. Right.、Um, so、um, let's talk about dashi.、So. Yes. <laughs> This is huge. Huge, absolutely huge. And、um, it's wonderful that you've given me this opportunity to sort of put together a lot of bits and pieces、um, and try to make it a cohesive whole so that、mm. people really have a sense of what it's all about. I'd、right. like to start with what the word means,、mm, dashi.、Right. And、um, it's interesting because、uh, when you first learn to read、um, Japanese, you, it's a fairly simple character to read, but it's usually meant like going out or throwing out.、Mm. And that's not what dashi is about. It's part of a verb, hiki dasu, which、mm. means to extract. And it's really all about extracting flavor.、Mm. And there are certain ingredients where that potential is much greater and it's easier to do. But you could make dashi theoretically from almost anything.、Mm. Um, but it's all about extracting flavor into this liquid and then being able to use the liquid to its best advantage.、Mm. Right, so let's talk about where you extract the flavor from, so the ingredients.、Right. So、um, I think、uh, that's the ingredients in Japan is very unique and、uh, traditional. So maybe you can start with、uh, kombu.、Uh, kombu is probably、um, the one ingredient which would be really difficult to substitute for something else.、Um, there's a unique potential in that sort of、um, strange looking. Uh, if you've never seen it before, it looks like a, almost a dry piece of leather. And you <laughs> wonder why anybody could get excited by it. There are many different varieties, and the Japanese,、uh, within Japan, the water sauce, people who are、um, 
turn on water from the tap and the kind of water that they get is quite different, soft to hard. And uh, different kinds of kombu respond better to different kinds of water. Mm. So generally in the Tokyo area, in the Kanto Plain area, uh, Hidaka kombu, and, and the name Hidaka is usually capital H because it's a place in Hokkaido and it's named after that, um, is usually the best kombu to use for harder water. And I would say New York water is very similar to that. Mm. So certainly people in the New York area or um, most East Coast locations, mm. um, unless they're going to be using filtered water, mm. uh, Hidaka kombu is probably the the kombu of choice. And right. it's a good thing because it's the most readily available. Right. <laughs> so, well, just uh, as a basic uh, kombu knowledge, really? uh, I heard that 92% of kombu is produced uh, in Hokkaido area because right. of you know, the cold water and all those the history of making it, as well as sun. Right. Yeah, it's made sun-dried and big. Uh, also, the terroir, or terroir, the word really has to do with soil, so it doesn't work at all about the water, but the different mineral content mm. of the water in different parts of Hokkaido, mm. and uh, quite different. So I would call a basic wardrobe of kombu, mm. if you were going to get a basic wardrobe, so it could do lots of different things. Hidaka, uh, definitely. And uh, probably rishiri uh, if you wanted to make a clear broth, mm. because uh, it crystal clear and almost a, a silky mouthfeel. Mm. So those very gorgeous clear broths where there's something sort of floating in the bottom of the bowl, mm. they're typically made with rishiri kombu. It's tend to be more expensive, but it's definitely worth right. it. So the Ribbon and the Rishi, those are two islands near, like, you know, part of Hokkaido. Right. right. But very much further north mm. and closer to um, what is part of Russia. Right. Uh, and, and, um, so is is a very different mineral content, mm. and the kombu, the kelp that grows there, is quite different in, in flavor. Mm. Um, so the... Um, so just to add uh, that, you know, yeah. the 90% made in Hokkaido and then used mainly, um, the kombu was, culture was developed in Kyoto and Osaka because yes. even if it's very far away from the north, to bring it to Kyoto, there's right. a, what's called the kombu road. Right. And uh, there's like Kaido. a special, yeah, the kombu uh, special ship, huge ship transporting from Hokkaido to Kyoto and Osaka. So it's, it's a huge deal. And it, it really is. And in Osaka, for uh, many years, almost 10 years, um, uh, we lived, uh, my husband and I lived a um, sort of a tale of two cities. We lived in both Osaka and in Tokyo at the mm. same time. And um, I remember thinking how very different the food culture down in the Kansai, down in Osaka and Kyoto was. Mm. And indeed, the kombu is different. Down there, ma kombu is the sort of the default mode. And that's partly because the water in that region is so mm. soft. And hiraka doesn't really yield much flavor in Osaka water. Right. And Interesting. Because yeah. I, you know, that's that, you know, the minerality, how high it is in water is really interesting because I heard Kyoto chefs go to France to cook at a cooking event yeah. and they have to bring soft water. Like they bring water. their own water, I know. <laughs> it, it sounds a bit sort of over the top, but it really does make a difference. Mm. Um, usually you can approximate the softer water more easily using filtered water or bottled water. Mm. Um, 
it's harder to go the other way. You can't add back the extra minerals. Right. It's easier to to remove them. Mm. Um, but the water does make a difference. Right. So that's the, it sounds obsessive, but I think it really determines if you try to make dashi by yourself right. in cold or soft water, you know, the hard or soft water environment, you can really tell. Even I could tell. Uh, I think most people, I do a lot of tasting programs, and most people can recognize the difference. Mm. They can't necessarily put a label on it. They can't say, <laughs> oh, that's dishiri I just tasted, or this is makombu. Mm. Um, but they certainly know that they don't taste the same. Right. Yeah. So just to stress how kombu is important in Japanese culture, I had a research project in January, mm. and I went to interview Kyoto chefs about kombu, and... Uh, their eyes sparkle. They, <laughs> they have like they have about eight. lots of opinions, right? Right, and also they um, also visited uh, the kombu, the best, the, what they call top class kombu right. merchant called the Okui Kaiseido in uh, Fukui Prefecture. Right. It's nearby Kyoto, and uh, they age kombu. And Kyoto chefs prefer using two to three year aged kombu, which mm. is more expensive, of course, that real estate and labor cost to age. But uh, Japanese chefs are really obsessed with kombu. <laughs> uh, it makes a difference. Um, it's, it, it really does. And hopefully everybody who's listening to this will have a chance to experience um, the ultimate, what mm. I'm calling that. But no matter what kombu you have, the advice that I would give is that you first create a water extraction at room temperature, mm. um, that you don't apply heat right away. And depending upon the kind of kombu, it's even more heat sensitive. Hidaka is fairly forgiving. I mean, if you were really in a rush and you forgot to soak it, mm. and you put it in a pot and put it over the, the stove right mm. away. Because it has a softer fiber. It, it, it does, and also because typically if the water is hard, it releases mm. its minerals much more quickly in that water. Right. Um, whereas most of the other kinds of kombu that are very high glutamate, I mean, it's the glutamates in the kombu that That's create that yeah. potential for intense flavor. Right. Um, really, the, the, the higher the rate of glutamate in the kombu, mm the more important it is to let it soak. And I would say for at least 10 minutes, mm. 20 or 30 would be better. And I just suggest to people that they create a new kitchen habit. Mm. <laughs> they wake up in the morning, they put a piece of kombu in a, in a glass jar, glass so that it won't react with mm. the, the water. Um, but you cannot do overnight? You can do it overnight <laughs> or before they go to bed, depending on whether you're a morning person or a night person. Right. But... Um, 10 to 12 hours is a more reliable mm -hmm. water extraction. And you don't even need to heat that. I mean, you can use it just as it is. Mm -hmm. And because dashi is often the hidden ingredient in a lot of um, foods, uh, particularly in combination with eggs, so when you're making um, chawamushi, mm -hmm. uh, you need to have not hot dashi or it'll start to curdle the eggs right away. Mm -hmm. So having... Um, room temperature or cold dashi on hand is extremely useful. Mm. So it's just a new kitchen habit, not right. terribly difficult. You <laughs> just have to remember to do it. Right. And you've got the potential to use um, all sorts of, um, to up the ante on the flavor of all sorts of things by just using kombu 
liquid, kobujiru, mm. instead of water. Mm. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, because kombu is made of almost spending like six months to, you know, the harvest and dry, right. shape it. Well, like with any dried ingredient, the uh, flavor intensifies. It's concentrated mm. as soon as it becomes dried. Right. And the aging process does it even more. Mm. If it's aged under the right conditions, right. Um, uh, cool, fairly dry temperatures. Mm. Um, it increases masu masu. <laughs> right. It becomes even more intense. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's funny. One of the chefs I interviewed, uh, he said in Kyoto, uh, two years is good, and once you pass over three years, it gets too intensified. That does really interrupt the flavor of the ingredients to cook with. Yes, it sort of overpowers them all. But that doesn't mean, folks, that you should use. Kombu, and then just think if you leave it on your shelf for 10 years, it's going to be better. <laughs> mm, well, but you know, at the, uh, the Okui Kaiseido, that top kombu merchant, right. there's a 29 year kombu, kombu. Oh my goodness. And it's not for use or sale, but right. uh, you know, it's just amazing how it can be cured yes. by condition. And right. uh, I was curious to taste <laughs> about that, the That's called really delayed um, gratification. <laughs> you have to wait that long. Some pickles you have to wait, or miso you have to wait two, three years. Mm. And people need to, to learn all about gaman and waiting right. for something to happen. But 29 years sounds pretty intense. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, you mentioned a couple of different types of kombu, but uh, um, so the... Yeah, it's a hidaka, I heard, because it's softer. You can wrap, not not just dashi, right. you, know, you can wrap things. Uh, so that as you wrap the food, the kombu keeps releasing the flavor. Yes. So that's another benefit of using... Right, well, kombu is often used, kobujime, mm-hmm. is often used to sort of press ingredients between pieces of kombu, and it sort of gently releases mm. those... Um, the umami sebo and those glutamates into mm. it and enhances the flavor of whatever is being um, pressed between it. Typically fish is done that way, but sometimes meat. And uh, you can also do tofu. Mm. Um, and I've, yeah, right. it, it works It works very well. Mm. But uh, as far as it's soaked, you can use uh, other types of kombu for wrapping food, right? Because it's as far as it's softened. Nothing goes to waste in the Japanese kitchen. Right. And, <laughs> and the kombu that you've used and taken that first extraction to make the intense dashi mm. can always be repurposed mm. and given a second life. Um, sometimes uh, you need to cook it in order to do that. And so in cooking it and applying heat, you'll get a second dashi, a niban dashi. Mm-hmm. So you'll use that too. Right. But um, typically, the uh, the kombu that is left after making um, stock is is repurposed. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right; uh, something like hidaka kombu is easy to repurpose. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the others are a little bit more challenging. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I can keep talking about kombu because I'm so passionate <laughs> about this. But we <laughs> probably let people know there are other things you can make dashi from, or, or rather, the standard. I think uh, for most Japanese, if you didn't specify, if you didn't go further and you just used the word dashi, mm-hmm. they would imagine it's kombu and katsuobushi. Mm. So let's talk about katsuobushi. That's okay. dried bonito. Right. Um, it's, again, just amazing how people figured out this process to enhance, mm. not only to preserve, because it probably, the the initial 
reason for fiddling with it as much as they did mm. was to help extend shelf life. Mm. Um, but clearly in that process, they struck upon something that intensified the flavor mm. potential enormously, and that was the main motivation for doing it. Um, the very best katsubushi is actually cured mm -hmm. and there's a good mold that is encouraged to be grown on the surface. Right. Um, and so when you see it, it looks sort of like a dusty <laughs> piece of... It, especially if it's cut through, it looks almost like mahogany wood. Mm. And if you hit it up against something, it sort of sounds like a wooden right. stick. Um, it's hard to believe that it's really food. Right. Um, <laughs> But the very best is is the cured, mm. and um, both kinds are, are available, and it's probably going to be very obvious from the price, mm. um, because curing it is, again, labor-intensive and requires more time. And right. Well, before you get to the mm -hmm. curing, so it's, a, it's you know, the, the bonita is caught right. and the cut, and then removed the head and uh, the guts and the right. things like that, and the cooked and uh, removed bones. And steamed, then, right? Yeah, and then um, they are smoked. Right, and that's the key, I think the key like kind of flavor from bonito. I call it the bacon of the sea mm. because it really is like bacon. It's that very intense, mm. smoky, um, rich flavor. Right, and um, in the process of um, processing the fish and. Again, probably the Kyoto chefs went crazy over the different parts of the fillet mm -hmm. and whether it was a belly piece or a <laughs> back piece. And belly pieces tend to have a higher fat content and back pieces tend to be leaner. Mm. And depending upon, you know, the flavor you were looking for. The other is whether you're going to do chihai, um, there's a bloodline. Mm. Um, and although it's a pleasantly funky flavor, mm. I, I mean, it's nothing really offensive, um, the katsubushi where that has been removed first before it's been shaved into flakes mm. is different. Right. There's no doubt about it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I, I noticed if you go to Japanese grocery store, even in the United States, yeah. you can probably find different grades of bonito. Yes. It makes a big difference. Huge. And, and, and the price really is a good indication. So um, in, in this case, um, spending a little bit more is probably worth it. Mm. It's funny that uh, when we had a little party and there is no snack with the red wine, right. and there's like a little thin cheese and the bonita sprinkled over it, oh. that was perfect. Better than preparing something else. <laughs> Ab absolutely. Well, they, there's a, a sort of a dish, ohitashi, which means something's been steeped in, in dashi. And very often it gets finished with a few shavings or curls of, of uh, the katsuo bushi on top of it afterwards. And it's amazing the depth of mm. flavor that mm. can be imbued right. in these very bland foods right yeah I mean, spinach never tasted better mm. <laughs> and uh i mean grocery stores there there it's um you know the shaped already shaped prepackaged right. version but um traditionally there's a shaving 
you know, little box. I'm, I'm holding the... my thumbs so that I don't cut them. Exactly. <laughs> um, I remember the terror of mm-hmm. first trying to use one of those. Right. It's kind of boxes. like a mandarin. And with the box underneath, there's a drawer so that you can pull out and use But it. the blade is lethally sharp. <laughs> and um, there are no sort of holders of the katsubushi. You have to hold it in your hand. Mm. As far as I know, there's no safety right. latch mm-hmm. available for these machines. Right. I mean, I it's now that. automated, but... Right. Um, but oyster, shack, you know, it, I guess the gloves. So. I, I think I, of I, the metal... I, I, Right, <laughs> right, uh, right. On top of that, when I first went to Japan in the '60s, um, you would wake up in the morning to the sound of this scraping mm. and sort of the smell of the katsubushi because it really gets released right. as you would do that. Mm. Much like um, I guess people rave over the smell of coffee beans being mm, ground in the morning. Say, right, right. Um, in in traditional Japan, it was the smell of katsubushi mm. being shaved. Yeah. Yeah, so it's dangerous, but it's worth shaving by yourself if you can. If you can. <laughs> and it's it's uh, the angle. It's all about the angle mm. and trying to find the right angle to get real long pieces. Right. Um, but while we're on the subject of shaving, one of the reasons why there's something called atsu kezuri mm. katsubushi, also for sale, mm. is nothing goes to waste in the Japanese kitchen, but fingers are more important than food. Mm. So people <laughs> do have to stop before the entire piece has been shaved. And so you're left with these thicker chunks. Mm. Nothing should go to waste. They can also be used um, in making stocks and in sauces. Mm. So they will. you'll find them for sale in a separate bag, mm. and they'll be thicker pieces. They'll be very obvious for right. what they are. So it's almost like a utilizing a parmigiano rind kind of yes, idea. Yes, it's very much the same thing. And putting some of that in the bottom of a bottle of soy sauce or even vinegar mm. will make it just incredibly wonderful. Right, so smoky if you keep infusing. Yes. Wow, I have to try to get yeah. it next time I trip to Japan. Okay, so another important um, dashi ingredient, that's dried shiitake mushrooms. Yes. So um, what about it? And especially if you're vegan or vegetarian and you don't want to consume animal products, um, it's a very woodsy flavor. And um, when dried shiitake come to market, they typically still have the stem attached Mm -hmm. and there are caps. So immediately I remove the stems and set them aside and keep the caps in a separate pile. Mm. If you're going to be cooking with the caps, there will be more than enough flavor of the mushrooms with just the caps alone. You don't need the stems. But truth be told, the concentration of mushroom flavor is greater in the stem than Mm. it is in the cap. So if you're making stalks, just a single even dried shiitake mm. stem will make all the difference in the world. Right. Well, packaged ones tend to be only without stems and only the caps. Really? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. I whatever I found recently in uh, yeah, maybe maybe not depending on which well, company. Well, you'll it. see and and also if you can find broken bits and pieces. So mm. typically what I do is I will have two different canisters, one with the good caps that look right. pretty that when I'm cooking and I want the vegetable to look good. Mm. And the other are broken bits and pieces right. and the stems. Mm. And um, it, typically the stem part is more concentrated in flavor. Mm. I really have to keep it in yeah. mind. Right. Um, okay. And uh, so the, it's not known so well, but it's called right. uh, niboshi or iriko. That's another right. dried 
Right. It's, a, it's in the sardine family, mm-hmm. and it tends to be, frankly, fishier in mm-hmm. taste than the bonito. It's very it's, tiny, like, you know, even your pinky, right. small and pinky kind of fish, dried, it's shrunk. So it's very tiny, but very intense. Uh, very intense and very wonderful with cer- certain foods. Mm-hmm. And in particular, if you're going to be... Um, like for udon, it, down in Shikoku, in the Sanugi region, um, uh, iriko, or uh, niboshi, the two words for the same dried, dried uh, sardine, mm-hmm. um, is the basis of the stock. And that's because the noodle that's cooked with it is wheat. Mm. And interestingly, if you're cooking soba, uh, katsubushi is a much better match. Mm, interesting. So most sobo, so, soba places will use katsubushi in their broth mm. and in their dip sauce. And most people in the sanuki or those who are serving um, udon will mm. use uh, iriko or niboshi. Okay. And you can try it for yourself. You can use standard stock when you're making udon, but then try it with uh, a sardine, the, the iriko-based mm. um, stock and all of a sudden, your noodles are going to taste better. Interesting. It's a it's a very interesting sort of interaction one right. between the so other. So the comparison between the, the soba, the buckwheat flavor and right. the wheat flavor, and also I think intensity. The udon is thicker, so maybe yes. more intense niboshi or iriko flavor. Well, but be. even somen, which is really very thread thin, mm. is better I think with with iriko. Mm. So um, that's the wheat. It's the wheat I think that that works better um, with it. Mm. Okay, so um, there are more ingredients for dashi, but yes. uh, let's move on to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, as a, what's the benefit of using dashi as a cook? It wakes up the potential in almost anything. Mm. Um, for flu- for food to taste its very best, you have to treat it well. You have to source good food to begin with, mm. and it makes a big difference. But then you've gone to all this trouble to get the very best, and now you're wanting it to max out on its potential. Mm. And one way of doing that is to use dashi. And true of anything I think you're cooking, um, timing and temperature are two key factors. Mm. And sometimes you want low and slow, and sometimes you want fast and quick and mm. high heat. Um, and it all depends upon what you're making. Right. But being aware that there is a difference. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, uh, the first of all, the, there are other types of stock in other cuisines. But uh, the, for instance, the bonito or the kombu, they're already right. prepared, spending months and months. So once it's in the kitchen... It takes, instead of 30, 40 minutes, it's just five minutes maximum. As, as, I mean, kombu as, has to be soaked. As long as you've soaked your kombu, if you're starting with kombu that's already been soaking at least 10, 15, 20 minutes. Mm. You don't have to um, even cook if you soak. It's soaked. two minutes. <laughs> it's two minutes because you don't want that liquid to bubble. Mm. Um, and although you can use fancy thermometers, um, and I've lived a Celsius life now for so long, it's hard for me to think in terms of Fahrenheit. <laughs> but let's forget about numbers. What you're looking at in the pot is very simple. Mm. No matter how much water, how large your pot or small it is, and what sort of stove you've put it on, 
what you're looking for is bubble action. Mm. And as soon as you see small bubbles beginning to come up the side mm. and just beginning to break on the surface, okay. that's when you want to remove it from the heat. Mm. In Celsius, right. <laughs> it's uh, 70, 70, given it to say 65 to 70. Mm. And you never want it to go over 80. Okay. Because that's going to draw out the bitter flavors, mm. particularly of kombu. That's where you activate tannin, right. and you, you're not wanting to draw that into the into the water. And below 65, so if you've got no bubbles coming up the side, um, you haven't given the umami sebun a chance mm. to be released into the water. Right. So you want that magic sort of moment mm. where the umami sebun has been released. Right. Sebun means the, 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 the <laughs> yeah, the umami elements. The umami right. elements, right. <laughs> um, and uh, 80, 85, 90 is already much too high. Mm -hmm. Is tannin being released? So okay. you don't want it to get that high. Right. So 70, 80 centigrade. So, centigrade. Yeah, right. centigrade. Sorry, I, I couldn't convert myself. Right, either, I, but. <laughs> I can't either. But just look for the bubble action because you don't really need a thermometer. Sure. And it's a much more accurate way of knowing. So right. I would say if you're not used to that, mm. you've got a kitchen timer, set the timer for two minutes mm. so that you don't get distracted right. and go back and look at the pot after two minutes. It's likely to be somewhere between two and four minutes mm. that it will take for it to get, unless you're using a huge pot, right. um, that it'll take just for the bubbles to begin to break. Mm. And that's when you want to remove it from the heat. You want to add your katsuobushi mm. and then set the timer again for two minutes, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> longer and you're going to draw out the fishiness, mm. less and you don't get the good smokiness, right. and then strain it out and it's gorgeous. Mm. So the bonito, at bonito, two minutes means only like, you know, they started to boil, like, and then one minute being boiled lightly and you take it out, that no. kind of timing. So you've removed it from the heat uh -huh. and it's no longer oh, over oh, yeah, a source okay. of heat and right. you've added the katsuobushi. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it will sink and sometimes it won't. Mm. And a lot of people say when it sinks, you strain it out. Not necessarily. It depends upon when you buy the bag. Mm. The top pieces are very, ooh, the top <laughs> pieces are very big mm -hmm. and the bottom is very small and flaky. Right. And it's sort of like a parachute. The bigger <laughs> the piece, the longer it takes to go down. Right. So if you just open the bag, mm -hmm. it's likely to take longer right. for it to sink. But even so, even if it hasn't sunk after two or three minutes, you want to strain it out. Mm. Okay. And um, if you're using from the bottom of the bag, it might sink to the bottom right away, but you're not ready to take it out yet. Mm. You still need to give it two about minutes. two minutes to release mm -hmm. the good flavors into the liquid. Optimal level. Right. 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 And both the katsubushi and the kombu have secondary uses mm -hmm. after you've right. made stock. Mm. Okay. Wonderful things to do with them. Right. No waste in Japanese kitchen. No. Right. <laughs> and the other thing, I think, um, you know, I whenever I have like this dashi element, like miso soup, if right. you have enough dashi, even if you screw up with uh, that, you know, like amount of quantity of miso to right. add, you're good. It, it makes it so delicious. It makes... All the difference in, in the world. Right. And uh, I was at uh, the Umami Forum uh, by, you know, organized by Ajinomoto right. Company. And, uh, well, I learned um, if you want to reduce consumption of salt, adding um, umami element, right. uh, you can just equally two spoons of salt versus one uh, spoon of salt and one spoon of umami element, then you can cut the salt percentage by 30 percent 
So, and you're more satisfied. So I think it's the satisfaction is a very important part There's, of it. Yes, it, I would describe, people often say, well, what does umami really mean? I, I'd say it's the potential of experiencing good flavor. Mm. And whether you're going to activate it or not. And using good dashi and being attentive to time and temperature. Mm. Right. And you've got it done. Okay. So you mentioned umami. That's just quickly talk about umami. What is umami? <laughs> well, I tend to think of it the way most Japanese do, and that is as a potential. It's not something that you add later. You don't add umami to a dish. Mm. You draw it out. Right. It's there, waiting to happen, and now it's up to you to draw it out and make it active. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, of course, the uh, umami is uh, the savory taste after, you know, the sweet, salty, sour, bitter. But, uh, yeah, so the for the combination of dashi, um, you know, people say umami multiplies by adding, by adding different kinds of umami. So, glutamic acid in kombu and vegetables and uh, granulic acid in uh, right. and mushrooms or, okay. you know, the bonito flakes that has inosinic acid. So these, uh, I heard it can be one plus one could be four, even two, seven. I would say one plus one is probably a hundred. It it, it could, or or think of it to the tenth power. There are certain combinations that release flavor Mm. and help you experience something as being more flavorful. Um, And being attentive to those, the different um, combinations, and you'll probably discover them for yourself mm. um, as, you, as you're cooking. Um, and even non-traditional Japanese ingredients like tomatoes, for example, mm. um, you combine those with a good bonito, you know, katsubushi dashi, and it's extraordinary. Mm. Right. And again, it's a good thing is it's really easily available in Japanese grocery stores, yes. kombu yes. and bonito. And of course, if you want, you can get uh, shiitake or the dried mushrooms to right. anything you want. So, and yes. easy. Takes yes. short time. All right. So, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about how to make great dashi. So, okay. please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from the studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Elizabeth Sando, a food writer and a cookbook author, and a Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo. So,、um, one thing、uh, you mentioned earlier,、uh, you know, the Ichiban Dashi, Niban Dashi.、Right. So, what, is, what are they? Just basically, quickly go through. Well, Ichiban Dashi is the very first extraction, and Niban would be the second. And、um, there's some, not loss of flavor, there's what you've already extracted, but there's still flavor left. And it would be motainai, or true waste of the ingredient,、mm-hmm. if you didn't help encourage out that secondary flavor.、Mm-hmm. So it's, I call it a secondary stock. And sometimes it's actually a better choice when you're not wanting to, it to fight with very definitively flavored foods. So,、mm. if you have a very strong flavored food, you might actually want the more gentle、um, flavor of a secondary stock instead of the primary one, which would be very smoky and, and、mm. very sea like. Right. So, you want to keep the dashi as a background, you want to have the secondary、right. dashi. Right. So, no waste in just the kitchen. Absolutely、yet. not. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's talk about how to make good dashi. So maybe、uh, you can、uh, talk about the basic recipes. Okay.、Make. And also,、uh, before I came here today, I switched over my, my website.、Mm. And if people go to tasteofculture.com and click on kitchen culture, they'll find a whole page about dashi and three different sets of recipes that they can download. Wonderful. Okay.、Yeah. It'll be up there for about a week、mm-hmm. and then it'll be switched over to something else, but come back and see what something else is afterwards. <laughs> okay, sure. Great. So,、we'll um, so, just sort of walking people through the single most important thing、uh, almost every stock in the Japanese kitchen is going to start with kombu.、Mm. So, you're going to get yourself some kelp. And if you're able to pair the right variety with the water that you have, you'll get even better results.、Mm. But any kombu will work with any water. Right. Okay. So you're going to start with a piece of kombu. There are some people who will tell you to wipe it, and other people who don't. People who will tell you to snip into it, and other people who don't.、Um, the white stuff that may or may not be on there is the good umami sebun. You、mm. don't want to wipe that off. Right.、Um, the likelihood that you're going to have trapped a piece of sand or a pebble when it was drying on the beach. You can strain it out afterwards. I don't think there's anything to be gained from wiping the kombu.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just put it in the water and,、right. and let it soak. Certain varieties of kombu are going to be more wrinkled, so that it's more likely stuff might get caught in those、mm-hmm. wrinkles, and、right. others are going to be flatter, so there's not going to be anything caught there.、Um, but so you're going to start with some kombu. And you're going to gently, this is where the slow and low method really works better, gently over low heat start to heat that water.、Mm. And when you see little bubbles beginning to break on the surface, you're going to remove the pot from the heat,、um, particularly if you've got a, a,、uh, an electric range where you can't quickly change to lower heat,、um, and add whatever other. Ingredient like your katsuobushi flakes.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, we took that earlier. And, and then strain it out in just a few minutes、um, afterwards. The other thing is, if you're going to, of course, using dashi right away is wonderful,、mm-hmm. but making some and keeping it in the fridge is always a nice idea. You've 
you've got that potential there. It can be heated back up again, or it could be used cold. Mm. Um, and if you're going to be doing that, to make sure that you don't um, cover, in other words, let whatever steam escape is going to escape from the hot broth before you put it in a glass jar to put in the refrigerator. Mm. Because otherwise, the condensation is going to water down the flavor. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so basically, kombu, um, you should soak it. Right. Or overnight or half an hour at least. Right. And then you have to watch. Just cook it. Wait for the bubbles to come up. Right. And then if you want to add bonito. Right. So until your body learns this new rhythm, mm. you might want to set a timer or make sure that you're not going to get distracted with a lot of other things. Mm. But otherwise, it's probably, uh, I think the Japanese home kitchen is naturally inclined to multitask <laughs> nothing takes particularly long and lots of things can be happening at the same time mm. and um making dashi is definitely something that can happen on the back burner right as lo as long as you're aware that you shouldn't be letting it mm. go for too terribly long right yeah okay so how do you use uh, dashi you can give us some examples what kind of uh, dishes well probably the simplest is in simmered and in soups. Mm -hmm. And um, depending upon the kind of soup or what you're simmering, um, the amount you're going to use and when you're going to add it is going to be different. Mm -hmm. But um, dashi can be used for a long simmer, maybe 30, 40 minutes, even longer. Mm -hmm. And it won't go bitter if it was properly made. Um, but it also can be used for a very quick um making of, of miso soup for example mm. um, and uh, it doesn't all of the flavor potential is there already in the dashi so mm. it doesn't matter whether it's used for long term cooking or short term mm. cooking right. um, it's also a great ingredient to use to combine with other things that are very intense to cut the intensity so it's not sort of clawing and overwhelming mm. But you're not losing flavor. You're not watering it down. The difference between cutting with dashi and cutting with water is huge. Mm, right. So, yeah. for instance, um, you know, even like uh, on the miso soup, if you have miso soup without dashi, right. just miso, it doesn't taste anything good at all. No. And, of course, uh, ramen chefs really put emphasis on making the great dashi because that's their right. life. Right. And, uh, of course, udon, well, anything. I mean, basically, there's, it's hard to find Japanese dishes without dashi, in a way. Even like uh, omelette. Yes, well, dashi. very definitely with the egg, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need it cooled down so that it's not going to start cooking the egg, eggs ahead of time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So, um, so basically, um, you know, stronger the flavor, like bonito, tend to be very strong, like smoky. Mm -hmm. So you can have, uh, like, you know, the dipping sauce of noodles or depending on the ingredients in it. So that's the thing. Kombu is more delicate. Very definitely kombu is a more delicate um, stock. And there are other dried vegetables that are used. Um, and if people go to my website and they download, you'll see that there's one whole series of, of um, instructions about using, they're all vegan stocks, different kinds of dried vegetables. Mm. And each of them, just like 
uh, I would describe uh, Katsuo Bonito as having a, a bacon-like smoky flavor. Mm. Um, dried radish has a certain kind of flavor. Dried uh, gourd, kampio, has a different kind of flavor. Mm. Um, so each of these have other sorts of subtle um, accents that they can add to things. Mm-hmm. And there are probably certain combinations that are going to be more successful than others. But that's also, I think, the fun for people to sort of play around with it and mm-hmm. decide for themselves right. what the best match is. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, you kind of summarize that the concept Japanese does, it's based on dried ingredients. Yes. And it really reduces time for you to spend in the kitchen. So it's convenient and it's much more concentrated flavor naturally. Yeah, and I don't really understand people who use so-called instant dashi because mm. I'm not sure that you're saving any time. Right, and you get so many other chemicals that you want to have. Uh, for most of them, unfortunately, yes. Right. There are a lot of other chemicals involved. Mm. Right. Yeah, one thing I really like, um, you know, I make dashi and then put it in a rice cooker with yes. just rice, plain rice. Ah. And it changes the whole thing. Of course, you can add more ingredients, but that's like restaurant, a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> um, yes, or even just if you take your kombu water mm. and use that instead of regular water when you're cooking your rice. When I make sushi rice, I always do that. Mm. And it makes a huge difference, right. huge difference. So I cook my rice for making sushi mm. with kombu jiru mm. rather than water. Okay. Wow. So usually sushi places only have uh, salt, sugar, water, and vinegar. But do you have you add adashi? I mean, you know, but when they're cooking the rice, right. they probably add a piece of kombu either mm. to the pot right. or, like I do, they they use the liquid. Mm. Okay. Um, instead. Right. And uh, yeah. So how long can you say I'm, I'm a lazy? Right. So if I want to have, you know, dashi regularly. Right. And uh, cooking, say, the whole pot. How long does it last in in the fridge? It depends. Um, probably, I would say three days is a very safe number. Five is probably okay. What you need to know is what to look for for signs of spoilage. And um, a sediment at the bottom is not what you're looking for. So depending upon whether it was the bottom of the bag of katsubushi <laughs> and it was very, and whether your cheesecloth did or did not have a fine weave, you could get a lot of sediment and it's still not spoiled. Mm. Um, so that's not a good sign. Smell is probably the best. Mm. And interestingly, the first sign that it's going off is a sweet smell rather than sour or ammonia-like hmm. because the um, the chemical decomposition first releases a sweeter smell. Mm. So if it smells suddenly very sweet, mm. it's suspicious. <laughs> and you probably would want to boil and strain it um, and use it. It's not going to be as wonderful as it could be, but mm. you don't necessarily have to throw it out. Um, if you see what I call... Um, Somebody forgot to check the pockets before they did the laundry, and you see those sort of white, you know, the, the, the tissue that was left right. in the pocket. If you see things like that floating in there, it's definitely off, mm, okay. and you probably should toss it. Right. So I would say three days is being Three days good. is safe. Right. Yeah, three okay. days is safe. So I can do every three day cooking of dashi. So. Yeah, easily. <laughs> right. So that's the point, easily. Easily. Right. So, okay, so uh, for listeners, uh, can you repeat again where they can find the recipes? Uh, tasteofculture.com, www.tasteofculture.com. And if you click on my kitchen culture link, 
you'll see um, right now you'll see a whole thing about stocks and dashi um, and every mm, there's no regular schedule about every week or 10 days mm. I, I shift over to new and different things okay. there's any archive too um, unfortunately I'm having trouble with my archives mm. and so it's hard for people to access things that are in the archives okay. I'm trying to get that fixed sure. <laughs> but I All can't right. tell you when it's so going to happen so listeners if you happen to listen to this episode uh, after the website is right. gone then uh, no web page is gone then uh, please uh, uh, contact us and I can just find it the copy I'll PDF. give you the once once it goes off and it goes into the archive it gets a different designation and mm. I can give that to right. you great yeah. alright so um, yeah so thank you for joining thank us thank you for such a great wonderful opportunity <laughs> so I cannot wait for the next one number thank seven you. likewise alright so listeners uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics for the show please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org and Japanese is live at 3pm on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org iTunes teacher and Spotify as a podcast and our engineer today is Matt Patterson and thank you for listening I'll see you next week Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.